Hey, I'm Mike TV of the band Get Set Go, and I've been thinking a lot about the epigram, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Because I, I think I'm the sort of person that would, yes, make lemonade, obviously, but I think I'd also keep the seeds and plant them in soil and end up with a lemon orchard. Enterprising, right? Except for the fact that I, I didn't think at the end of the day I'd end up with a lot more lemons. And let me tell you, if you drink it every day, you really learn to hate the taste of lemonade. Let's take the Wayback Machine to 2012, and I am living in downtown Los Angeles, not, but not in the affluent hipster part of downtown. I'm living in the gang-infested, but also bedbug-infested neighborhood just a block west of the Staples Center, a place called Pico Union. I'm, and I'm living in a bachelor apartment, which is basically just one bedroom, a bathroom, and a closet. That's it. That's the whole apartment. And boy, do I love living here. No roommates, cheap rent, no utilities. It's walking distance from bars and restaurants and all the excitement that downtown LA has to offer. And since 2010, I've been writing songs and recording albums like a maniac. Eric Summer gets it goes viola player, lives right across the hall from me. So whenever I finish a song, he swings over and tracks viola. And I also know and like every single person on the third floor. So it's got like a really cool fraternity vibe. It's just awesome. Until, uh, what was that? This building, <laughs> this building does not allow pets. Someone is breaking the rules, and much more importantly, they're intruding upon my recordings with their damn barking dog. Who lets a dog bark unchallenged? What sort of horrible dog parent is visiting their friends on my third floor? But it turns out it wasn't a visitor. It was my newest next door neighbor. Motherfucker. Okay. Okay, I, I, I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm just going to go over there and talk to her. I'm certain we can sort this out. I mean, I love dogs. I love animals, right? So, you know, so I walk on over uh, and, and I knock on her door. And as she opens, I give her my most winning smile. And I say, hey, I, I, I'm Mike. I live next door. Can I talk to you about your dog? To which her guarded expression when she opened the door, it, it transforms <laughs> into something actively confrontational. And she looks at me and without letting me get any word in edgewise, she goes, no. And she's like, my dog is a support animal and, and I have a doctor's note. And the landlord said it was okay. And then that's the end. That's the end of the conversation. Bam, there's nothing more to be discussed. Uh, she just shuts the door. So... You know, uh, <laughs> what do I do with that? And so for the next three months, from 7 a.m. to the evening, when she gets home from work, as I'm trying to record my songs, I just hear, are you fucking kidding me? Like, just nonstop barking. Every day she leaves early in the morning, and, and the barking starts, and then it continues all day long until she gets home at night, every single day for three fucking months. I'm just fucking pulling my hair out. So I did what any reasonable person in my situation would. I, I wrote a song.
I wanna kill my neighbor's dog, I wanna smash it in the head I wanna take a hammer to the fucking thing until it's dead I wanna kill my neighbor's dog, I wanna kill my neighbor's dog I wanna kill my neighbor's dog, I wanna kill my neighbor's dog I could somehow break into a place and smash its face I wanna flay off all its skin and then pour salt on what remains I wanna kill my neighbor's dog 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 So she hears me recording the song because, oh, oh, I didn't, did I tell you that our walls lacked insulation and use only quarter inch drywall, so they're paper thin. So she hears me screaming the chorus and comes over and knocks my door gently and says, hi, Mike, can we talk about my dog? Yes, thank you. Yes, we can talk about your dog. And so ultimately it all worked out in the end. The dog survived. Uh, we just moved its, its crate to the other side of our apartment. Problem solved. But had it been solved earlier, this song would have never existed. So. Lemonade. I fantasize all day about the ways that I could kill this thing. The fucking barking is incessant and it's driving me insane. I wanna kill my neighbor's dog. 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 Hey, welcome to Hesitation Cuts Episode 2, the series where I, Mike TV, take you on a journey into the moth-eaten memories and hard-bitten battles of a working-class musician who spends his days tilting at windmills and hoisting petards. And today's episode is about lemons and lemonade and turning the frustrating and circumspect into something, if not amazing, then at least something tolerable. In the early 1990s, uh, I got a job working for Universal Cartoon Studios. And man, let me tell you, it was everything you could imagine and more. Like for instance, I was able to ride a golf cart through the Universal backlot whenever I wanted. Um, I could also get passes to the Universal theme park for friends and family, and I could literally walk them to the front of the line, show my badge, and get them on a ride without waiting. I met Rodney Dangerfield, Leslie Nielsen, and scores of celebrities, plus uh, comic book people, video game people, role-playing game icons, like the movers and shakers of every industry that I adored since I was old enough to adore things. When I started, I was an apprentice writer, but eventually moved 
move to development. And the way development works is if you've got an idea for a show, someone has to then take that idea and actually transform it into a show. So they have to come up with, these are the characters, and this is the modality of storytelling, and this is the world where the storytelling takes place. And that's what I did. Um, and so as I made my way up the development ladder, I eventually ended up as an associate director and I was Universal's creative point person on two shows, The Savage Dragon, based on the Image comic book, and the toy company Mattel was doing a reboot of their toy line mask, and I was heavily involved in that reboot with a show called Vortex. And man, I loved it. I loved the problem solving. I loved the world building, and I especially loved how all of my hard work was rewarded with more responsibility and better pay and, and ultimately more creative latitude. And I really loved working with my colleagues to, to devise and then implement the best way to deliver shows that were often under less than optimal circumstances. Like for instance, I, I was working on a 12 company co-production. So there were three countries, 12 different companies, and everybody had notes and everybody had input. And so I was the guy that developed the system for collecting all those perspectives and then disseminating them down to my creative team. And I could speak about this for a full episode and maybe at some point in the future I will. But for better or worse, things changed. Universal was sold to another company. That company decided to change upper management and those changes didn't sit well with me. And so the whole business just began to smell bad to my nose. Like figuring out who was a straight shooter and who was actually lying to your face was getting more difficult for me. Because I'm the sort of person that wants to believe that all people are basically good. You know, at least the people that I encounter and, and, and that all my friends are gonna be cut from the same cloth as I am. Um, and that's not always the case. And so after leaving Universal, I took advantage of my severance package. I rented a lockout, installed a PA and an, a guitar amplifier, and I called up my old bandmates, and I'm like, hey, guys, let's form a band. And we did. And it was called Vermicious K. Again, it was a moment where I was making the best out of a dicey situation. And even though I worked in film and television for the next five years, I think in my heart of hearts, I was already planning on making a big career shift. I mean, of course, I had never in earnest play the guitar. I'd never in earnest written songs. But as I got better at that, and as I started to make my way into the indie rock world in Los Angeles, I began to feel the pull, the tug of the rock and roll lifestyle. Are not in his tie. The stereo squawking and the traffic ain't moving on the 405. He pulls up to his office and he checks his watch, and it's a quarter to nine. He works a day through and then he returns to his loving wife. I've got an old t shirt and a dirty pair of jeans and a brand new song. I don't got money, don't got a girl, and don't got a job I don't know why, I don't really mind, but I don't care at all Maybe it's because, baby, I got a brand new song It's all that I need to get me by It's a new melody and I'm alright, my friend I'll sing another tune Sitting here alone in my room Passing the time, playing my songs Nothing, nothing is wrong 
Having no money is a son of a bitch. Um, and it's crazy because I grew up super poor. I started working at Domino's Pizza at 12 years old just so I could buy the things that we as a family couldn't afford. Like, mostly comic books and role-playing games, but but also skateboards and bicycles and all the other things that, like, my much wealthier cohort, you know, uh, they got just because they were born into a different family, you know. And it's crazy because for me, I never saw our lack of money as a negative. I don't th even think I thought about it at all. Like some people, uh, some people are good at sports. Some people have blonde hair. Some people have lots of money. Okay, fair enough. I, I mean, I didn't even consider it. Not at least until I was 17. I was a senior in high school, living on my own, working the hours necessary to afford that apartment while also going to school. And I was also trying to take, date girls. So I once met this girl that I really hit it off with. I think I met her at, at a place called the Red Robin at the Palm Desert Town Center. And we got to talking and we just hit it off and she gave me her number. And the next day I called her after going through the whole, like, when is too soon to call? When is too late to call? And I always opt for calling sooner is better uh, because I'm just an impatient person. But I, so I called her and I asked her out. But I was broke. I mean, like, no money at all broke. Like, not even $20 for a movie broke. So she asked, what do you, what do you want to do? And, and I suggested that we go to the Marriott Desert Springs uh, and ride the elevators. <laughs> now, hold on, let me, let me explain. So the Marriott was a relatively new hotel, and they had these blazing fast brand new elevators. And if you leapt into the air just as they reached the upper floors, or if you jumped just as they started to descend, you go weightless. And it feels, I mean, it feels exactly like you're on a roller coaster. And you can literally do it all day long for free, just so long as they don't notice the fact that there's you know, kids hanging out in the elevator. So here I am thinking that, that she and I could spend some time together, you know, in a small elevator. We could go weightless. We could laugh and catch each other and having like an intimate, slightly naughty, because we're not supposed to be there, 
and sort of physically thrilling adventure. Whereas she, and I'm certain 98% of the rest of the planet thought the suggestion sounded insane. But, but for me, it wasn't crazy. You know, I was just trying to find adventure in places where people often don't look. You know, I was trying to do the, the less conventional idea for a date. I was trying to take the lemons of unfortunate circumstance and turn them into something awesome. You know, for free. I want to pick you up tonight and take you for a ride. Let's make our way to the cemetery and read the names of those who've died. Let's make up stories of the people they'd be if they're friends to you and me. I want to pick you up tonight and take you to the cemetery. So, won't you go with me? Oh, I want to be your boy. Yes, I want to be your boy. Please, won't you let me be your boy? I want to be your boy. I want to take you out tonight and learn how to couples dance. We would swing around the dance floor, tumble of legs and hands. People might laugh, but we'd never see, cause there's only you and me. I want to take you out tonight and dance romantically. Oh, won't you dance with me? Oh, I want to be your boy. Yes, I want to be your boy. Please, won't you let me be your boy? I want to be your boy. We greet the sunrise We will know We've had a beautiful night A beautiful night A beautiful night So she never gave me the time of day She, I've never saw her again, never talked to her again But I, I do wonder if every now and again when she's on a fast elevator, if she doesn't think about the crazy 17-year-old kid that asked her to ride the elevators at the Marriott. I want to take you out tonight to the top of the tallest tower. Up we'll climb 3,000 stairs to meet the midnight hour. Over the edge we'll dangle our feet as we split a bottle of wine. I want to take it to the tippy top of the tallest tower I can find Oh, will you be mine? Oh, I want to be your boy Yes, I want to be your boy Please, won't you let me be your boy I want to be your boy let me be your boy. In 2014, the cost of living in downtown LA was just way, way, way too expensive. So I ended up having to move. And ultimately, as a result of my various touring perambulations, I decided to move to Austin, Texas. And in Austin, without all the distractions of hundreds of friends that I was hanging out with all the time, without the, 
the band and that just I was just me and my music, I was really able to sit down and commit to writing songs and putting out records and being the kind of musician that I always dreamed of being. Now, why would I do this? Why would I put myself through such vicissitudes in pursuit of success in an industry where there are 60,000 brand new songs posted on Spotify every single day? There's so much white noise. There's so much clamoring for the attention of your ears. Why would I do this? Why would I put myself through this? Well, I, I once heard um, Gustav Mahler's Fifth Symphony at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, played, played by the LA Philharmonic, and it fucking destroyed me. Man, by the second movement, I was like weeping and laughing simultaneously, which is the craziest thing. Like literally tears are just pouring down my face and I'm laughing from what the music that my ears are hearing. I'd never heard anything so awesome. Like literal awe, jaw-dropping, thought-stultifying awesome. And I think, I think the whole symphony was about 45 minutes. And, and by the time it was done, my eyes were so red they look like demon eyes. In fact, there was this little old woman sitting right next to me and she was talking to her friend like, oh, that was great. And then she turns to me to like say, oh, wasn't that nice? And she looks at me and she starts, like she kind of like does this like a double, not a double take, but like, you know, and then she, and then she reaches out and she pats my hand. She goes, it was nice, wasn't it? I'm like, nice. Did you just witness what I witnessed? You know, I was train wrecked. Um, the music was beyond magical. It grabbed hold of something in me, like something very essential, like where all of my meanness lives, and just flung it around for 45 minutes. Just wham, 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 you know. So, making music can't be a side gig like that, that I do on the holidays or weekends or for a couple hours every week with my bandmates. I, I, I have to swim in it. I have to allow myself to be completely consumed by it. And it's a, it's a hard life at times. Um, I mean, there's so much music. I mean, there are millions of songs on Spotify that haven't even ever been played. Millions of songs. I, you know, I, God, I, I live in significant fear of that, like putting out an album or a single and then just crickets chirp. I mean, that's my greatest fear from a career perspective is just no, not even lemons. It's just nothing. I put something out and just nothing. So I write. I write and I write and I write, hoping that the quality of my songs will allow me to stand above and be and, and overcome, if not completely overcome the white noise for everybody, which would be awesome, but I just don't think it's going to happen. But, but it, it, that it will overcome the white noise uh, for some, you know. I live in a world that's very similar to and just adjacent to the world where most people live. But mine has more monsters, you know. There are things and events that will chew you up and just and swallow you whole you know and and it's scary it's a scary thing to know that one day i might wake up and the world's moved on you know that i'm no longer relevant that the music i make is no longer wanted um but you know that's okay i signed up for this let's steal a car let's pick a very fast one and let's drive it hard let us find the edges of the map, my dear And let's get out of here Let's grab a spoon And tunnel to the center of the earth we knew The one we used to dream of Oh, the world that we Always knew could be Oh, oh Let us go Come with me 
say it be dragons And in that place we'll make our home And we'll be, oh we'll be married And when the world comes crashing in And you are so very saddened I'll simply point outside and smile And remind you, here the dragons Let's take some sheets And fashion a balloon that we can fill with heat And rise up to the moon where we will sit pretty Underneath the stars Let's lash some logs Together for raft and we will sail the seas Negotiating crashing waves just you and me Together till the end Oh, oh, this is now and that was then And when we stop we'll look around and we'll say Here be dragons Place we'll make our home and we'll be, oh, we'll be married. And when the world comes crashing in, and you are so very saddened, I'll simply point outside and smile and remind you it be dragons. Each song I write is like a carabiner in a wall that I'm climbing. Each one marks a place, a, a time, a relationship, a, a love loved or a hope hoped. Each one is, is a barbaric yop or a heartache frozen in amber that I can visit on command. They're spells I cast on myself to encourage me to keep on, to remind me that each song's very existence is reason enough for me to keep existing. I mean, only I can write my songs, right? Just like only you can write yours. And I mean, who are you to deny the universe your songs? Let's go by train The clicking and the clacking Like a soothing rain Washing all the woes away In every mile Leads to somewhere new Let's stay right here Underneath the covers Let me love you, dear let me be your lover, let me hold on tight And never let go Oh, 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 never let go And when we stop, we'll look around And we'll say, here be dragons And in that place, we'll make our home You know, talking about life handing you bushels of unwanted, unsought-for complications and woe, these past couple years have been real serious doozies. I, I was falling in love just before the pandemic landed, and the girl I was falling for, she's Italian, you know, and she was living in Italy as 
most Italians do. So once the border shut down, we were suddenly caught, you know, without any options. Um, I mean, other than spending hours and hours together every day on the internet, thank God for the internet, because, you know, think all this holy that I wasn't born 30 years earlier and I had to do this by mail, you know, but, but, you know, but we could, I mean, we could video call and play games and watch movies and, and basically do everything that new couples do without actually touching each other. So it was frustrating, but not, you know, not insurmountable. But in the early days of the pandemic, I started hearing all these pandemic songs popping up, people feeling disconnected and how unbearable the unbearable loneliness was and the, and the struggle of not being able to leave your house and, you know, I realized, oh, that's my album Hesitation Cuts, you know, my 2019 album. Like, how very prescient of me. But of course, I was inspired to write my own pandemic songs, you know, and I certainly did. But I wanted to really capture what was going on with the world as a whole. I mean, I mean, here we are, we're living in what I call the, the raging 20s, where everything's on fire, everyone's furious, everyone's got a gun and an opinion, and it's all fury all the time. And it doesn't look like it's going to stop until there's like either a nuclear exchange or Jesus drops by or, or an asteroid tries to take us out or we're invaded by aliens, you know, you know, and I, and I figured, okay, 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 I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. It's the raging 20s. Um, let me write about that. But let me make it a love song. gonna be alright, everything's on fire, the ship is going down and the flames climbing higher, but we'll be alright, what else can we do, the ship is going down, but baby you look beautiful, I love the way the flames light your face, oh, 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 darling you're so beautiful, I love just how the fire lights you now, oh, 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 darling you're so beautiful. There's chaos in the streets, the buildings they are burning and we're running from the heat but we'll be alright, there's nothing left to do, burn baby burn and love you, a beautiful embrace the fire, burning desire, oh oh oh, darling you're so beautiful, I just can't wait, oh I'm on fire, oh oh oh, darling you're so beautiful, Oh, 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 
that's it for this episode so here's hoping that the next time life offers you some sour tasting citrus you have sugar and water enough to turn it into something delicious so be well eat your veggies live forever